Welcome to Pod Aloha, dedicated to preserving the heritage of surfing and the spirit of aloha. I'm Paul Strau, and I'm going to take you inside the stories of surfing's biggest influencers. And I'm Kieran McGuire. Today, Pod Aloha welcomes Peter Cole, one of the early pioneers of big wave surfing. He discovered surfing when his family moved to Santa Monica and was riding Malibu by age 15 in 1945. Peter had gone to be an all-American swimmer at Stanford, heading to Steamer Lane for surf while he was there. In 1958, he moved to Oahu to take a teaching job at Punahou. His students included soon-to-be-famous surfers like Paul Stroud, Jeff Hackman, and Jerry Lopez. Along with other big-wave legends like Buzzy Trent, Greg Knoll, and Ricky Grigg, Peter was part of the crew that pioneered big North Shore surf at Waimea and Sunset. Peter had a philosophy of quality over quantity and was known for waiting to charge the biggest wave of the day. Peter surfed Sunset into his 70s and was featured in the film Surfing for Life. As part of the Surfrider Foundation, he fought to keep the country country and prevent development on the North Shore. After many years, those efforts led to the land being turned into a preserve. Hello, Peter. Hello. Is this Peter? Hi. Is this Paul? Yeah, hi, Peter. And this is how are you this doing? Is, and this I'm, is Kiernan too. Hi, Peter. I'm doing good. Hi, good to talk to you. Yeah, you too. Gosh, it's been a while. How you been doing? I'm doing fine, Peter. Really good. How about you and Sally? Oh, we're doing well. Yeah. Are you still swimming? Yeah, I'm swimming. I can't. I I quit surfing because I couldn't get once I had that nerve damage uh in that surgery for the cancer in my neck yes uh, they they nick an accessory nerve to my trapezius so i haven't been able to paddle i oh. couldn't get my arm out of the water then they did physical therapy and i got to the point with the physical therapy if i cross paddled i could paddle prone yeah but uh i went so uh, sunset looked really good in, in 2010 when i was 80. Uh-huh. And I thought, geez, I'll surf. But it was so crowded, and every wave that I got, either Al Chapman or Ricardo Puma underneath me, so I decided to quit. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. How about you? Are you still surfing? I am still surfing, yeah. It's nothing like the North Shore of Hawaii up in California, though. Believe me, there's quite oh. a difference. But- How long have you been living in California? Quite a while, about well, more than 25 years. Now, where are you living? Li- living in uh, San Clemente. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I surfed so down at San Onofre State Park and trestles on occasion uh, and church. But the waves uh-huh. are really consistent here. So, I mean, better better than most places along the California coastline. So. Oh, good. Yeah, and we have the Hawaiian Surf Club here, too, that was... Started uh, way back um, by yeah. a couple of friends of mine, and so you know we get together and play ukulele and sing Hawaiian songs, and uh, we even oh, have our own luau too. So yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Karen, are you guys living in Santa Mary now? We're not. We live up in the Bay Area in Marin. Oh, yeah, that's nice up there. It's you know, there's a. There's good surf up there, Triple Point Rays, and and uh, yeah, I used to I used to go out. I was stationed in Petaluma in the army, and I had a cement concave, and I had the only, you know, I was the only surfer in the group, and I would go down to Tamales Bay, Dillon Beach, and and, uh, and ride that shore break there uh, all by myself, and uh, I'd have the whole coast there. To myself, this was in the mid 50s, around 54, 55. And that's a neat area. And there's a lot of good surf up there. Uh, and then Steamer Lane was my favorite California surf spot. Yeah. I thought that was really a good surf and in Santa Cruz. Yeah, Santa and, Cruz uh, has got, got some great surf. Love it down there. So I've surfed Dillon Beach, not frequently, but uh, but I do surf there. But um, man, you surfing there alone, I don't know if you know how densely <laughs> populated that area is with huge great white sharks. I mean, there's a bridge there called Shark and, and they've actually had killer whales there too. And I remember one time I was surfing out there and 
and, and there was kind of a point there. If you go north of of, of there's Salmon Creek, yeah. you know where the Salmon Creek comes out. There's a break right there. That's a pretty good break, and it's a kind of a right slide. And there's a lot of rocks, but I was out there surfing by myself, and all these cars would pull up and watch me because there was nobody else that was surfing. I had the whole ocean to myself. And they're all beeping their horn. I think, I, I'm thinking that they're beeping their horn because I'm surfing, you know. And then all of a sudden, out of the water comes this big killer whale, you know, and, and jumping out of the water. And that's what they were, they were trying to tell me to come in, you know. I came in real fast, you know. But, God, that, that place is... But it's a beautiful ocean. That's incredible so. that you were surfing up there. And I assume this is all pre-wetsuit too, right? Yeah. Wow. Who are there? So, who's left on the North uh, Shore besides you? Who Who do you see that's that was oh, part I of, see the a lot of the old timers? Really? Uh, a lot of them have not made it. You know, a lot of people have died. Ricky, uh, Fred, uh, George Downing just passed away. That's right. And. Kid Horn and Buzzy Trent. Yes. All my friends from Santa Monica that I grew up with that surfed with me, my brother and a whole bunch have not made it through. Right. But, uh, you know who's still around is Joe Clay. I know. I know. I saw him a couple yeah. years ago. I had a lunch with him, and we met at the outrigger. Uh -huh. he, he's 92 or 91. He's, I know. He's right. older than almost everybody that I know that's not made it. And so he's doing well. I have so many uh -huh. fond memories, Peter. I mean, for those yeah. listening they, they, to, to this uh, podcast, they may not know that, you know, you were my algebra teacher when I was in the ninth grade and then also my geometry teacher. And I learned oh, yeah. I learned so much from you. <laughs> really, I did. Yeah. How old are you now, Paul? How old are you? <laughs> right now, I'm 75. Well, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I tell everybody that you were the best at sunset in the early days. Oh, gosh. You had a Pat Curran board, is that right? Actually, I had an Alan Nelson. He made a board that I bought from a classmate of mine at Punahou. It was a 11-foot uh, big wave board, a balsa redwood board. And it was a pintail, really narrow pintail, but but it was... And it, it had three stringers, right? It had yes, redwood, a redwood nose block and tail block, and then three stringers. And I cut. They had. Yeah, a, I almost. I always that? thought that was a current board, but it was Al Nelson. That Al did Nelson, it. yeah, You're right. And I yeah, had I half half moon skag on it when I bought it, and I just took a crosscut saw and sawed it off and put my own fit on it, and then adjusted it. Kept filing it down until I had the the way it, I wanted it to, to to look like and also turn better. Well, I remember you making real good S-turns at sunset, and I tell everybody that you were the best out there, and that uh, you were, I always thought you were better than Phil Edwards. He was a big star of the year, but he didn't do that well at sunset. I always ranked surfers on how well they rode sunset. Yeah. They didn't ride sunset real well. I figured that they weren't good surfers, so. Well, I, you yeah. know, that that's a, it's always come up like that, like who's the best and everything, and I never really wanted to deal with that in those terms. I, I always looked at surfing as, you know, you me measured by yeah. how wide your smile is when you walk up the beach and put your board on your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, those were good days. They sure yeah. were. God, those lessons. I mean, I remember losing that, my board, especially that pintail, because there were no obviously no leashes and swim all the way in and then run down the beach and think oh my god someone stole it off the beach and then look chat scan the the channel uh, at sunset and then look and see it out by you know it's it's probably out maybe a quarter of a mile and it's just going right out the channel uh and, and, and jump in the water and and i know you have to swim for your board too we all you know you know it's funny but uh, everybody gives the Brazilians a bad time, but when I would lose my board, because I've never used a leash, I, yes. I hated the leash. And uh -huh. uh, when my board would go in the rip, Bradshaw and all the guys that surfed the sunset regularly just would pass it up and let my board continue going. <laughs> but the Brazilians always got it for me. No kidding. So I had, yeah. 
So they probably liked it respect. because it was easier for them to paddle out as opposed to their smaller boards. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, you, you knew you knew about Fred falling asleep in my class, right? Fred uh Fred Hemmings? Yeah. No, tell me the story. I was teaching uh, Fred. Fred was in my class. He's one of the worst students of all the surfers I've had. <laughs> and 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 but what happened was he fell asleep in my class, and I I saw a great opportunity. So I told my class to go out very quietly. Don't wake Fred up because he needs his sleep. And uh, then the next class came in, and, I, and before that came in, I went outside. This was in Bingham Hall, you know, sure, where I, I had a. Um, class, and I told the next class coming in to be very quiet because I didn't want him to wake up Fred. <laughs> and uh, then I I talked very quietly in my lectures and everything, and the kid, students are giggling the whole time. <laughs> and then uh, I let that class out, and I let a third class come in, and the third class came in, and I said, do you think we should wake up Henry? And they said, yeah, yeah. So I said, Hemmings, the class all yelled, Hemmings, wake up. And he got up and he said, oh, my God. Oh, 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 oh. He, <laughs> he goes stumbling out of the classroom. And he asked me to go to some fundraiser he did when he was running for po politician. Yes. And I got all these guys together and told them that story. And he never invited me again to uh, any of his fundraisers. That's hysterical. <laughs> Peter, who else did you, so you taught Paul and Fred and I think Jerry, uh, those guys have, have been on, on Pataloha in the last couple of weeks. You know, who else did you teach? I, uh, well, I taught Jerry. Jerry was a good student. Of all the surfers, Jerry was probably the best student. I taught Jeff Hackman and I had Paul, of course, and then I had uh, Hemmings. <laughs> was Paul a good and, student? Yeah, Paul, Paul did all right in my class. I think he got a B minus, which was good. And uh, yeah, Paul Paul did well. I don't think he was a math wizard, but he was good. Peter, and, I'll never uh, forget, though, when you had me up on the blackboard doing a, a problem, an algebraic problem, and you, and you walked by me, and then you were walking by two others. There were three of us on the blackboard, and you walked by me, and then you just stayed behind me, and you were, and I was, I, I felt so um, nervous about my work, so I triple checked it, and I finally turned around, and I said, "Is there something wrong in my calculations?" And you looked at me and you said, "Do you surf?" <laughs> Do what did I say? He said, "Do you surf?" <laughs> and I said, "Yes, I do." And he says, "I thought I saw you out in the water at Alamoana." <laughs> Yeah, I think that was the uh, yeah that was when uh, that was the first when I, I had you. first saw you surfing it all in one a bowl. And I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was my first year teaching at Puno, I think. Right, it was in the, yeah. 1958, wasn't it? It was fifty. It was the fall of '58, right? Yes, right. That's when I came to Puno, and yeah. uh, and that's the same year uh, that you won the Macaw. A senior men's Yeah, program. I won Macaha. And yeah. I tell everybody that I won Macaha because I, uh, George and Wally and all those guys had a luau before the contest. <laughs> and I brought a case of beer. And I think that's what won it for me. You know? <laughs> I, no, you did really well. I, I remember that like it was yesterday. You're surfing. It was fabulous. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was really, I remember that vividly because. You had surfed out in a bowl, and I saw you out there uh -huh. ripping the place apart. And uh, and then I, the next day, you're in my class, and I, 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 I thought, geez, this is the guy that was out there surfing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I asked if you surfed, yeah. and uh, <laughs> yeah, that was funny. fun. I have a classic picture of the of the uh, that was taken when I went to Macaha. Yes, and I'm holding the big trophy. I'm in, I'm the furthest to the left. Uh -huh. Buffalo is next to me, and he's got a small trophy. And he looks real grumpy. Rabbit is fit to be tied. He's real grumpy. Ricky, Ricky's probably thinking, "How did this happen? How did this happen?" You know. And Bobby Christian was smiling. You know, he was the only guy that was 
Is that right? And, uh, oh, fun. That's, I'm real proud of that picture because those three guys are really unhappy. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, you deserve it. You served so well that, that day. I remember well, it was very a, vividly, too. Yeah, I had a, I had, I borrowed Severson's uh, Pat Kern shaped board, and that probably helped a lot. And it, <laughs> it was a good board, it paddled well, and I think that really did help. I have an anecdote uh, regarding Rabbit. When when Greg Noah had one of his uh, events, you know, down in Bali, yes, Rabbit was my roommate, yes. and. He was a football player. He was a this. He was a that. I mean, I heard so much stuff that was just unbelievable. I mean, you know how rabid was. I sure do. I mean, talk <laughs> about exaggeration. I mean, that guy, he could do anything. He was. He could probably beat Bob Mathias in the decathlon. He could do anything, you know. <laughs> and so, after after being there, I'm, I'm out in the by the pool there with Buffalo, and with uh, Henry Freeze. Yes. And uh, Jerry Lopez and a bunch of us were out at the pool. And I'm telling him about all these things that Rabbit was telling me during my, as my roommate, you know, about all these things that he was so good at. And Buffalo says, you know, there's bullshit and there's rabbit shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Buffalo... Buffalo is a classic. That's I mean, priceless. You, you don't get you don't get a more classic person than Buffalo and Henry Priest. I mean, those two guys. But yeah, that was classic. Have you ever uh -huh. thought, Peter, about you know, like looking back over your career and trying to estimate? Because you know, coming from a mathematical background, how many waves you have ridden in your lifetime surfing? Oh, I can't even think about it. But you know, you know, I I usually got so few waves in a paddle in a in a, in a session. Yeah. Because I never was run for quantity. Some of these guys probably got more in one season than I got in the, my whole lifetime. You know. But <laughs> no, Bradshaw, Bradshaw yeah. used to count the number of waves he got. You know, like it was really important. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> But I always sort of like to sit and wait and get a good wave, you know. Of course. I figure one good wave at sunset is better than a hundred of these shoulder hopper waves. So. Yeah, you, you, yeah. Gosh, I'll say that. I don't think anyone's caught more waves at sunset than you. Seriously. Yeah, I really like sunset. I thought that was by far the best uh, wave in the world because it was not. You know, everybody gets excited about Jeffrey's Bay and, and Trestles and Malibu and Rincon because it's, but it's such a predictable wave. I always contended that if a guy can't surf those places, he better not surf because it's a single lineup. It's, right. it's, it doesn't have the shift. What I loved about Sunset was that on every swell direction, it was different. Yes. It was, a, it was dynamic. It took, uh, it was a waterman's ideal surf spot, I thought, because it was a challenge, you know. Yes. And you'd have one day that you was re you were really hot and good, and you'd have you'd go out another day and be terrible, you know. I know. And that I like. I like the fact that it wasn't easy, you know. Yes, you had to really uh, be on your toes, and you had to really watch the the ocean and watch the yeah. outside lineup, the outer reef too, when it was big. Yeah, I think I really do think that uh, part of surfing is knowing the swell, knowing the direction, and knowing the the elements, you know. Right. And uh, and the guy that taught me all that was Bob Simmons, you know. No kidding. He he, he was a Caltech student when he got into a bicycle accident. That's why he had that crippled left arm. Yes. And he was in a hospital bed. Uh, and Chapin was somehow in the bed next to him or something. No kidding. And Guard Chapin, Mickey Dora's stepdad. Yes. And and Guard Chapin told him that a real good therapy for his bad arm would be to surf. And oh. so Simmons came out of the out of that hospital bed and everything with that screwed up arm and everything and started surfing. And he was just. Uh, he was a whiz at predicting surf, you know. Yes. In 1946, July 14th, 
we had one of the best Malibus we've ever had. Almost every wave was a pier ride. And it was really a standout day. And he predicted that by going to the weather service, uh, the weather bureau, you know, at the airport, and picking up a chart and modeling the chart and figuring it out. And the storm was down in Chile, and he took the fetch and the interval, and he calculated when it would arrive. And he said, July 14th is going to be the best sunset in years. And he was absolutely correct. And he was saying that two weeks ahead of time. Wow. So I got all stoked. I, and he knew that, that I was good at math. And he liked the fact that I could somewhat understand what he was talking about half the time. The rest of the surfers were that, you know, didn't really. So he taught me all that stuff that, that, that he knew. And so I could. I could look, and when I was working at Camp Smith, I got these weather service charts every morning right. uh, when I was working in the command center at, at Syntac headquarters. And I would look at those charts, and I could, I had them all mapped out. I had them all over the house. And I think Sally was driven nuts by the fact that I had all these charts sitting around. But, <laughs> but uh, it was all Simmons that taught us all this stuff. And uh, George Downing had a good knack. He knew all that stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah. He passed a lot. Yeah, we miss George. Yeah, I miss him, too, very much. Yeah. He was he was a very bright uh, uh, surfer and a real good surfer. I thought he was the best of my age group. Yeah. He and Kivlin. I don't know if you knew Matt Kivlin, but he was real good, too, and Buzzy. No, I didn't. I certainly know who Matt Kivlin is. I did not know him personally, but... I certainly respected his ability in surfing, you know, in the, in the ocean. Yeah, well, you know, he was, uh, in my opinion, he was the Kelly Slater of the 40s, you know. Yeah. He was the top, in my opinion, he was the top surfer along the coast. He was real graceful. He, he uh, everything he did, and Mickey Dora worshipped Matt and copied his style. So yes. Mickey Dora's style is a lot like, Matt Killen. No kidding. And when I would talk to Mickey, Mickey would rave about Matt, you know. Uh-huh. And Killen was a sharp guy. Those those guys, Malibu shouldn't, certainly had a large influence on a lot of people, didn't it, Peter? Well, Malibu had a good group of guys because uh, <clears throat> they could read and write, you know. It wasn't... Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the Manhattan Beach guys were kind of grimmies that could hardly read and write. And... <laughs> I used to pass up San Clemente because it had such a slow-moving wave right. and go to Win and Sea. I like Win and Sea in La Jolla. Yes. But uh, Malibu had a good group. We had, well, we had Buzzy, who was just really entertaining and a really good big wave rider. Yes. We had Kid Warren, who was a real good waterman. Right. We had Preston Peterson, who was an old-timer and uh, who was, I think, the top waterman of, of the... 20s and the 30s, you know, he was, I don't know if you knew him, but he was uh, Matt's uncle, yeah. and uh, Pete Peterson was just an unbelievable, he could paddle, he could swim, he could right. row, he was just all around waterman, right. and uh, uh, when we when we started surfing, Corny and I were, it was 1944, and it was the summer of 44, and we were 13, in October we would have turned to 40. In 44, we would turn to 14, but we were 13. Then we go down in the summertime to Sereno Beach, which it, the Californian current comes down the, from the, from, you know, it's one street north of Wilshire. And you come down the Cal incline, uh, to the, to the Pacific Coast Highway along the bottom of the cliff of Santa Monica. And there was this Dienerhauser, uh, uh hamburger place and everything else and they had paddle boards he had paddle boards strapped up on the in the thing and we would go in and grab a paddle board and surf straight off at, at the jetty there at Sereno and that's where Buzzy and Matt and Kit all of them surfed at in those in the during the week when the, when they were in school and then they would go up to Malibu on the weekends oh. and then that's where they started me surfing but we decided we'd have a surf club, and we got these army fatigues, and we uh, uh, and Matt was a good artist, 
and Matt and Corny, my twin brother, was a really good artist, and they started painting surfers on these jackets, and they asked this Chuck King uh, what would be a good name for the surf club, and Chuck King said Kukai, you know, K-U-K-A-E. And we said, Kukai. And he said, what does it mean? He said, God of the Ocean. And so we had Kukai Surf Club, and, and these guys from Hawaii would come up and say, what does Kukai mean? And we'd say, God of the Ocean, and they'd laugh. And we found out, we found out it meant doo-doo, you know, and... Uh, that ended this Kukai surf club. Oh, that's so so classic! Oh my gosh! Well, what a story, Peter. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think surfing is the thing I really liked about surfing, and then I competed in swimming. And I actually, when I was out of high school, I went to Stanford. And swimming was my number one sport, and I competed in swimming. And the one thing I liked about surfing and swimming and, and sports. It's the camaraderie you develop through that sport, you know. You bet. I have real good friends in, in uh, swimming that I swam against and with and everything, and those friendships have held out throughout the years, and the same thing with surfing, you know. Right. And uh, I, 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 I really enjoyed the camaraderie that we had in surfing, you know. And almost everybody that lives on the North Shore is ex-surfer or a surfer current surfer yes and we have a camaraderie out there a real wonderful relationship with all these friends and everything that that you can't find in a, in a normal you know in a society. normal yeah. society and i think that's what really i enjoy about surfing is just buzzy trent was just a classic i mean <laughs> when he would get out in the lineup and start talking with his hands moving, and he'd go, oh, the whole, I mean, you know, and he'd stutter, and, and he'd hypnotize the whole group, and we'd all be sitting in the lineup listening to Buzzy, and then all of a sudden, Buzzy would just keep talking, but paddle over to the peak, and get away, and we'd all get caught inside, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but Buzzy was a classic. He sure was. I, oh, my gosh. Amazing. Yeah, and... <clears throat> I really miss Buzzy, and you know who's really uh, been a, a good thing is Anna Trent Moore. Yes, uh, has all of Bud Brown's film uh, films, sit yes. films. Right. He, she has all of the archives. She really, uh, Bud was almost like a, a father to her. You know, she really like she was really close to Bud Brown. I know, and she has all his films, and they have a surf film festival in Honolulu, uh -huh. and uh, she took all of Bud's films and made a new surf film oh. out of Bud's footage, and Joe Quigg was there. Oh, no. And uh, Quigg uh, is amazing. He doesn't look like he's changed at all. Yes. You know, I saw him not too long ago <clears throat> down at the Outrigger, and we were talking, and he carries this uh, manila folder around him, around with him. And so he brought it yeah. out, and he says, you know, Paul, I, I still think I have that picture that I drew of you when I was sitting inside uh, on Kalakaua Avenue, right where those guys played like, cards and checkers. And I said, yes, I know. I know where you're referring to. And I, he says, yeah, and I was watching you surf. And this was when you were 15. And I said, I remember you showed that to me when you made my first board when I was 15. You made me a 9-7 balsa board. And he says, yeah, uh -huh. like, here, let me see. And he opens a book, and he, he had a page where he drafted me a picture of me riding a wave, and then he sketched a, an outline and uh, below it. And, and he's, in all the details, he put all of the measurements on it, and then he, he, he shaped that board later after we got together for me that year. And I'll never forget that, how he was so meticulous about keeping records like that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, Joe is a classic. Joe, you know, that, that was a classic group. There was there was Dave Rockland, who was just a real, he, he had a lot of charisma, very bright. Yes. <laughs> and there was Joe. Tom Zahn was kind of full of himself. And, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, he was the guys athlete, I really liked sure. surfing were the guys that were really, really good. 
and they didn't have this giant ego, you know? Yes. Uh, Greg Knowles, Wave, and Mikaha, when, when they were surfing, uh, when, we, when uh, Jose and I were out surfing Second Reef and Pipeline, we came in, and on and the park there, Greg comes running up and says, I got this picture of this wave at Macaw. This was in 69 or something. He got some big wave. Yes. And he picked it up and he showed it to us. And he went, oh. And it was about an 18-foot Macaw point wave. It was a good wave, but it wasn't giant. Uh -huh. Well, now it's 60 feet, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Greg, is he's one of a kind. Peter. <laughs> yeah, but Greg was a classic. Yes, and he was. Another guy that, that that always, you know, he tried to tell me how to body surf, you know. It, got, it just really annoyed me. It was Mickey Munoz. <laughs> Here's this young kid telling me how to body surf. And <laughs> I just said, jeez, you know. He's still like so a, I, a ball. I, He's like a little firecracker. He's still so energetic and, and, and you know, he's so active. I can't believe him. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've got a group of guys here in San Clemente that... That's right. Uh, they, they, I don't know how they get in and out of the house. they got such big egos. But, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's classic. Hey, Peter, could you talk a little bit about... You're obviously one of the pioneers of big wave surfing on the North Shore. Could you tell our listeners your early experiences of going up there and who you were with and what kind of equipment you were riding? Well, you know, the, the guys that were really riding uh, uh, YMA well with Pat Coon really had it wired. He rode it really well. And Jose, of course, would take off on anything. And uh, we had a good group out there. We had, and Buzzy wrote it, you know, uh, well. And, and we had a, a small group uh, we didn't really, uh, in those days, if, if it got really, really big, you know, if it was legitimate YMA and it was in the 20 to 25 foot range, uh, there'd be a limited number of people out. And the, Paul Gabar was real good out there. Uh, George, when he surfed it, did real well out there. George did well everywhere when he, when he, was, when he surfed. But the guys that really stood out in a way were, Pat Curran was really good at, at YMA. He had that place wired. He and he made a good board for the place, and uh, uh, and he had a good lineup. Uh, and uh, I, I enjoyed one day, I was still surfing. This was when I was, this was probably, uh, I, I had met Tom Curran in France, uh, Pat's son, who I, in my opinion, was the surfer of the, of the world at the time. Yeah. Uh, he was the Kelly Slater of those years and a really nice kid, you know, and, and a good surfer. And he he was out at YMA and I told him about Pat's lineup and he got all stoked because he, he the, you know, the second steeple on the cliff, right. on the, you know, on that cliff yeah. overlooking the falls and everything. Yeah. There's that steeple, uh, the church tower and then the tower lines up with the second tree from the right, and that's right. the lineup we would use. And it was a lineup that Pat discovered years ago. And uh, and he, uh, he and that lineup was good at all depths. You know, it was good when it was real big. It was good when it was smaller. And uh, I told Tom about that. He was all stoked. And he, he couldn't believe how good a lineup it was. And, yeah. We had a good group out there, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And but we didn't really have bad wipeouts. Uh, uh, I had, a, you know, in my, in, in my lifetime, I've had a, f a, couple, a few uh, two wave hold downs, but they're not bad because your the interval is twenty seconds, and you're only underwater for a minute at the most, a minute and a half at the most. And, we can hold our breath for three minutes, so there's no big deal. And, and I always contended that the key to riding Wanamea or any big wave is to be totally relaxed when you get a wipeout or when you get caught inside. And right. I really think that a lot of people overrate uh, the uh, impact of big waves. You know, like they, when they start telling about their wipeouts and all that stuff, it gets a little bit exaggerated over the years. 
But I, I just can't remember ever having any kind of a scary situation. And the only time that we have a problem is when our leash gets stuck on the rocks in the bottom or when we have a, we're hit in the head with a surfboard. Right. Other than that, you, you don't have drowning from being underwater a long time that I can think of. The only injury I ever had in surfing was when I was racing Ricky to the surfboards that we lost at sunset. Yes. And I swam into the fin of my board, you know, with my right, right eye. I know. And so I damaged my right eye, and from there on out, this was in the early 70s, I never had, I never had double vision. I always had single vision. And, and uh, wow. uh, but that's the only injury I ever had surfing, and the guys that like Mark Fu when he drowned at Mavericks, uh, uh, from what I gather, the leash got stuck on the right. boulders on the bottom or something. That's what I had heard. And happened. and other guys that drowned from surfing were hit in the head or or had a you know yeah uh, it wasn't because of the hold down or the wipeout. Right. If you go down halfway and then you get jostled, you don't go all the way down to the bottom. When, and you get pushed in. So after two waves, yeah. you're way in. You know, you're not in the impact yeah. zone again. Well, what I used to do was if, if I got a caught inside, which I got happened a lot at sunset, uh, what I would do is is when a big wave, west wave, especially when a west wave coming out of the west comes at you, yep. what I would do is I would dive down facing the beach and I would dolphin butterfly, you know, do the dolphin and oh. go in with the swell over my head and, and I could get in real fast that way, you know, and it was it was no big deal, you know. And but some guys make a big deal out of it yeah. and talk about it in their right. in their uh, the better the older we get the better we were, you know. Yeah. I, mean, that's, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I remember, I remember, uh, Greg Noah is a great one for, for telling everybody all this stuff. But, you know, the thing that, that I noticed when I, Jose and I both noticed it, is when Greg Noah would hyperventilate outside when a set was coming, the guy really did ride charged with big waves. There's no question about it. And he was a good big wave rider. But what I really enjoyed was Jose and I would watch him and he would paddle in with his eyes shut, you know. <laughs> and, and we'd ask him, he said, how come your eyes are shut? He said, well, I'm not going to take off if I can see the wave. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's priceless. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those guys walked into history, you know, not only because of their prowess or their, their uh, <laughs> lack of fear, but, you know, with comments like that, that'll live on forever. Yeah. yeah, you know the thing about Ricky that I really admire about Ricky was he was very bright, you know. Yes, and he really had, he treated surfing with a science. So, and I think he rode sunset as well as anybody in those sure. days. Yep, and he charged and, but he uh, he really understood the the science of it all, and I think that really was good, you know. You bet. And uh, Ricky will be missed. I know. He went too soon. Kibala was a classic guy. That guy was, and Kimo Hollinger. Kimo is still around, I and know, he serves. Kimo is. Yeah, he was incredible. And he and Gabala would would go out with me, and I had that kindergarten. I bought that kindergarten association truck from Fred for seventy five dollars. Uh -huh. Remember that truck I had? It was yes, kind I of do. beige. But I would drive that out and. Kimo and Kabara would go with me, and they'd get into this Kippy and August Pigeon English thing. Yeah. And God, they, they, they'd keep me laughing. I mean, that Kabara was a classic. Yeah, he was. And he was a really good surfer, I he, thought. Yes, he was. He was yeah. Both of them were, you bet. And Sammy Lee, there's another classic guy. Sammy, I think, still lives on Kauai, doesn't he? Yes. And Maui with the jaws, gosh, they're getting just giant waves there. Yeah, and I like that. I like the idea that they started at jaws. You know, no more toe-ins. You got to paddle in if you're a real man. And I, I love yeah. that concept. You know, 
Well, the, the hardest thing about riding big waves has always been the paddling in. Yes. And with the jet ski, they eliminated that problem. And so once you rode a big wave and got to the bottom, it, it was pretty easy. But it was that takeoff that was so hard paddling in. And now, because they did all that paddling in, they did the kite surfing and the and the windsurfing and all that, Right. They uh, they now are able to paddle in with these heavier boards. They make sure the boards are heavier than normal, and they're, they're pretty long. They're guns. Yes. They're probably in the 10 to 11-foot range, and they don't have a lot of rocker. The one thing that you don't want on big waves is a lot of rocker because it mushes the right. paddle, you know? Right. And they're, they're, they've, they've got the right concept. They've got the right boards. And they're paddling into these big waves, and they're they're really revolutionizing big wave riding, in my opinion. These young kids that are yeah, it is fishing. incredible to see them, you know, work out of off the lineups, you know, to make sure that they're in the right position on the takeoff. And you know, who's a really a, a, I really like Kelly Slater because he he's very bright, you know, and and uh, I whenever I I get together with him, I have. I just really like to talk to him and everything, and and he's 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 not a big ego, you know. He's just a very bright guy. He was valedictorian of his class in high school in, in, in Florida when he grew up, and uh, and I really like him. And another guy I really like is Shane Dorian. He's a really nice. I enjoy those guys, and and the guys that are really good, like that John John Florence, is just unbelievably good, and. Yes. And he, he was a student of Sally's uh, at, in the eighth grade no at Kahuku. And really a nice kid. And all these guys that are really good, you know, in a, in a kind of by themselves and being really good Tom Curran, uh, Mark Richards, uh, you, Paul Strau, they, they, there was no big ego. You know, they were all good and they didn't have this giant ego. And the guys that were had the big giant ego where I think secondary to these guys and the guys that through the years that have been really good surfers. Uh, the thing I really admire is that they're, they're good people as well, you know, and they're fun to talk to. They're bright. And, uh, this John John is just, and if you watch some of the contests that they have, yes, I have. Amazing. Well, he, he is just unbelievably good. I mean, he's, he, he, in my opinion, he makes it look so easy that the judges tend to underscore him. And the judging in these surf contests, there's, I think there's four Brazilians and six Australians and no Americans and no, and Shipley is a head judge, yes. but he doesn't make a decision. And it's amazing how many times the Brazilians and Australians do well because they've got all the judges, you know, it's right. just, Right. No, but that's what I'm very proud of uh, John John surfing and, uh, and how he's advanced and become a real super role model too. You know, to everybody. oh yeah, he's just a nice kid. He's very articulate. Yes. And uh, yeah, yeah, he he and Kelly are really good role models, and Tom Kern was that way too. That's right. Uh, that's and so true. The guys are. And I, I was admired Mark Richards. I always thought he was just outstanding. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, of all the Australians, he he stood out in my mind. Yes, he was. He was so graceful and such a good surfer. Well, his record proves it too, competitively, without a doubt. I think I think the camaraderie and the guys that really are on top. Uh, that are really quality people in almost every case, you know? Yeah. I mean, I miss it. I, I wish I could still do it, but I surfed it until I was almost 76. So. Great. Good uh, for you. At sunset. Good for you, Peter. I admired you for doing that. Hey, Peter, you've, yeah, seen, I, you've seen so much over the years, so many, this incredible evolution of surfing. If you could say something to someone who is aspiring to start surfing big waves, what advice would you impart? The main thing I would tell young guys who want to get into it 
if you enjoy it, do it. If you don't enjoy it and, and you're doing it for glory and for all the uh, artificial reasons, then don't do it, you know? Yeah. It, it should be fun. It should be recreational, fun first, and then yep. all that other stuff comes secondary, you know? Absolutely. All the media and the hype and all that stuff. That's unimportant. The important thing is to enjoy every minute you're out there. True words and, of wisdom. Uh, that's all I recommend. Yep. I think being a good waterman really helps. A good swimmer, a good diver, a free diver, uh, all those things help. And you're and if you're happy in the ocean and feels you feel like you're a part of the ocean, then big wave riding should be a natural thing for you. And I honestly think that almost all of the guys that have been really good big wave riders over the years have been good watermen, you know? They they could do almost anything in the ocean and they a lot of them were real good free divers, and that that I think really makes. I mean, what's a wipeout if you can dive a hundred feet free diving? Yeah. Well, I guess in closing, <laughs> one last thing, since there's not a whole lot of people we can ask this question of, but could you share an anecdote, one of your earliest experiences seeing Paul in the water, where it was, what what made him stand out to you? Well, the thing. The thing that really impressed me about Paul was the way he rode Sunset. He he was making, uh, when he would take off, he would make these, when he made a turn, he would fade, and he wouldn't come back. He'd fade, and the board would be in that direction, like he'd be going left after a turn, and he wouldn't come back in a hurry. He had these S-turns on that I guess it was an Al Nelson. I always thought it was a Pat Coon, a three-stringer balsa fiberglass board, but I guess it was Al Nelson. But he would make these turns that were just stood out because they were S turns, and 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 I always appreciated the fact that when a guy feels sunset, if he can make a turn and do turns, I always thought that was really important, and. Uh, Paul Paul had that signature thing. And in my opinion, Paul was better than Phil Edwards because he served Sunset so well. So, you know, you go to into the thing where you rank surfers, and I always ranked them on how well they did at Sunset because to me that was a challenge. And uh, uh, Paul was really good. And, and a guy that would agree with me on this was Ricky. Uh, Ricky and I would comment on, on this and we always had tremendous respect for how well Paul did at Sunset well, Peter, and that that always stuck with me thank you and I have a tremendous amount of respect for you first of all as a friend and, and as a man and as a teacher and all that you've stood up uh, and demonstrated to me over your lifetime and it's such a pleasure yeah. to, to, to have you share your life uh, in, in surfing. Particularly. Well, it's really been a pleasure. And Paul, you're one of my favorites. So. You are yeah. too. Mike. Gosh, we, I really miss, the, the one thing I have to say is I really miss surfing. Oh. Uh, but if I can't, if I can't do it right, you know, like ride sunset, get a good wave at sunset, if I can't do that, people say, well, why don't you just do the stand-up paddling or why don't you surf camis or monster mush? I just don't enjoy that. Yeah. And if I can't do sunset, I just as well quit surfing. I know. But, that must have been hard for you to walk away, though, Peter. But you'll never be forgotten, Peter. I want you to know that. <laughs> yeah, I was over in France, and I saw a lot of the guys that you knew over there. Oh, and we were there for, like, oh, for four weeks, I guess. Oh, gosh. How long? Oh, oh, wonderful. Yeah, we had we had a wonderful time in France. You wouldn't believe it, but they make a big deal out of surfing. They have a surfing culture in France, and they had Matt Young putting his feet in the cement. They had Wayne Lynch. They had Tom Coon. They have all these guys in at Anglet, which is north of uh, of Biarritz. And because I went back for the Biarritz Surf Festival a few times, the Buffalo and everybody. Uh, uh, Robert, who who would organize that thing, he was a real organizer. He decided to have me put my feet in the cement at at this place, 
and they have they have Tom Kearns foot on Wade Ridge and and uh, Matt Young and and they have a couple of uh, Joel the French surfer Joel uh, yes. uh, yeah yeah and they have all these guys and and so they wanted me to put my foot in and the, the cement wasn't ready I put my foot in the cement. It was a big hole, you know, because I have size 14 feet. My feet are bigger than anybody else's. And it was just a total failure. So they had to re-cement it. And they had to rinse my feet. And I had this pretty girl rinsing my foot. I couldn't believe it. It was too much. And they had this big crowd. And it was a big ego builder. And But it was really funny. And I'm sitting there and... and uh, I'm thinking, gosh, if my kids could see this, they'd be laughing their heads off, you know. <laughs> but I, I run into these people. And I, I surfed a lot at Gittery because Gittery is very similar to uh, the Ventura Overhead, which was my favorite place in that area. It's like Wind and Sea. It's, it's kind of, it's not as dynamic as Sunset, but it is a peak, you know. It's like Sunset. And it's a good wave. It's my favorite spot. And Mickey Doyle liked it the best, too. Mm-hmm. And I searched a lot of over there for this this festival. So it's kind of an ego builder to be there because uh, people in France know who I am. Or people on North Shore don't give a damn and don't care. <laughs> and, and it's, it's unbelievable. But it's, it was a lot of fun. It was really fun. That's and we had a good time. Yeah. I think it's interesting how people from different cultures maybe have more veneration for the the elder statesmen and pioneers. We went we went to chat with Skip Fry a couple weeks ago and his Japanese distributor was coming to pick up some boards and Skip kind of casually says, "Oh, you know, this is Paul Strau." And the guy takes three steps backwards and does a bow and oh my gosh. Paul Strau. I know it's classic. It, it, it's hard to not have a big ego. I, I don't know how Paul has survived without a big ego, but I try not to. But <laughs> I'll tell you, these the, the, the other countries seem to put a lot into the culture that a lot of the uh, a lot of the Californians and the, and the uh, and the Hawaiians they, they don't they don't seem to draw on that as much and I really enjoy the, the French because they're very literate they're very intelligent they have a, I love the French they're classics you know well Peter thank you so yeah. much really hey well, it was great talking to you talking and, with you Peter thank you for sharing you know, your, your time and your you know illustrious yeah. background in surfing it was fabulous well thank you it was a lot of fun Great. Take care. Look forward to seeing you soon, Peter. Hello. Okay. Hello. Good night. Good night.